Good evening and welcome to a new episode of the Quarantine Hotline. I am. Uh, I had some technical problems before we even started. Uh, we were supposed to come with a nice sound music microphone, but Twitter decided that we can no longer use a uh, mixer with uh, with Periscope uh, and Twitter. So not to bore you, um, we're going to be sounding like a proper phone call today. I'm here with my really good friend, Gary Budden. Hello, Gary. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. How are you? I'm good, you man. When is, uh, how are you coping with all this uh, lockdown number? Well, I can't remember the number we are now. How are you doing? I think we're on num number three, aren't we? Is it? The second one counted like a real lockdown or it was like a lockdown light diet? I think that was a lockdown light. Um, I'd say like this last lockdown, the one we had in November, this one. I mean, I haven't really noticed it just because I've, I'm in that weird position where me and my partner recently bought a flat that was a complete uh, shithole that needed renovating. And that's kind of taken over our lives. So, which to be honest, is not a bad thing. So unlike people who are, I think, struggling with boredom and things to do during this period, I'm just stressed 24-7 and always busy, which might be, you know, it might be a good thing to have timed this for a lockdown. So I, I, I'm going to recommend doing a renovation during a lockdown. Okay, right. So uh, your your latest book, you know, I read it during the, I think I read it um, in November. Yeah, during that, that lockdown. It's uh, London Incognita. Is that yeah. how you pronounce it? Because in Spanish it will be Incognita. Yeah, it's uh, published by The Ring last year. And, uh, and, uh, and it kept me a bit sane in the sense that, you know, one of the things I miss the most about normal life is being able to out walk, you know, hang around. Yeah, and it, yeah. was like, it was very weird to read a book about London where you cannot leave your house, you know? So... Uh, well, actually, this is one thing, being so busy, like, doing this, you know, like, being stuck in one place working on this uh, building, which is going to be our home, which has been strange for me because I can't even really justify going out for long walks throughout London and abandoned London, which I know lots of people have done. <laughs> And I would be all over that, do you know what I mean? I think it would be a perfect time to go and do that. Um, and I haven't been able to for, for months and months, which is strange. Um, yeah. You mentioned the uh, the title, Incognito. Yes. Uh, it's actually taken from an Arthur Macken book uh, written in the 20s. And I can explain a bit about him. But I, it had never even occurred to me that it would be like the, the feminine version. Yeah. So I, I actually don't know why he refers to it as Incognita rather than incognito it was written about 100 years ago i don't know so we we tend to we tend to talk about cities in the in the in the female form you know uh, yeah. i know incognita is a, is a latin word but but it is the same word in spanish i don't know maybe it's that but let me ask you something about this book i mean i i really enjoy you know i'm a london um how can we say fundamentalist you know much to the <laughs> to this pleasure of the professional London haters who are many. You know, I'm a very pro-London, you know, my tattoo, London here, chess, you know, people cannot see this, but it's, um, I'm, I'm very, very much uh, in love with this city. So it was great to, to read a book about someone who clearly feels the same. But there are, I mean, and, and, and in a way, I'm very much into London literature. Um, but this is a book that belongs in a, in a kind of genre of its own for what I see, which I didn't know, which is weird. They, they're talking about weird. And there is here like, uh, like, like a literature 
that you seem to be talking about other people who work on a similar wavelength, similar genre, but also you are making up some uh, yeah. authors of your own, yeah, music. That, that, uh, so what, what is this? Where will you place? Where does London Incognita belong? Where, where is the place? Is In terms that, of genre, yeah. I mean, it was a very conscious decision of mine that I wanted to um, merge my interest in weird fiction. Some people might call it um, literary horror or dark fiction. Um, everything that runs from Arthur Macken and I suppose Lovecraft all the way up to writers I really admire, a very good London writer like M. John Harrison or writers like Nina Allen. But I really wanted to kind of mix that with my interest in... I suppose the very unfashionable words, psychogeography and all that kind of great London fiction. I do think London fiction probably should be classed as its own subgenre, mm -hmm. which strangely goes across other genres from literary to weird to horror to pulp. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it was a real conscious decision that I wanted to write a uh, sort of weird horror book that veers away from the realist whilst directly coming out of those sort of ideas of London psycho psychogeography. And I wanted to write a book with characters in it who were aware of those ideas. Does that make sense? Yes, yeah. They, they're clearly London nerds in a way, yeah? They, they know the, the, the myth and the, and the lore of these writers, yeah? I, I did an event with Nicholas Royal recently, and I was gutted I forgot to mention this book. <laughs> I'm going to mention it now. Because <laughs> the only other fiction I've read really that acknowledges you know the, the Ian Sinclairs and stuff of the world is a uh, plume by Will Wiles I don't know if you've read yes, that yes I, I haven't read it but I'm, I'm aware of Will's work yeah yeah I'm, I'm a big fan of his work but that that book is really fantastic and it kind of skewers in a very funny way some of the the sort of tropes and cliches of psychogeographic writing but it's also one of the few books I've read where the characters are aware of those things you know the sort of ideas or, you know, the hidden city, the hidden histories, they're not discovering them for the first time. These are, they live in a world like we do, where people have written about this for, you know, generations. Are we still talking about psychogeography? Because in the in a few years ago, I mean, I, I, I when I started to write in English, I was, like, quite working about, in this genre, you know, all my essays were mainly about London. I don't know if you remember, probably it's when we met, you know, with, with that. Um, but then I somehow felt you you did mention that it's unfashionable now that that it became like a very uh charged uh term the idea of psychogeography and, and and suddenly became a bit irritating are you still working with that term do you think we can uh, reclaim it in a way or or it became about middle class men walking around and, and having epiphanies about gentrification <laughs> you know i'm not i'm not sure it became that i think that was always an aspect of it um you know, I find it interesting that someone like Sinclair probably ended up sort of causing some of the problems he was uh, railing against by making certain areas fashionable. But um, I don't have, I, I never had a like huge problem with it, but I would say there is the issue of the, you know, the white man walking around noticing things from this sort of removed position. And it's why I wanted this book to be fiction. Yeah. Uh, because I didn't want to just, you know, I mean, I've, I did write some of those things myself. I kind of got really bored of just like person writes an essay about walking a strange sort of unloved bit of London. I was more interested in seeing writing about the effects 
of those things on people's lives. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Especially, specifically the kind of London I uh, lived in as a younger man in terms of the sort of cultural scenes I was a part of, which was something I didn't feel was written about very much in um, in literature, or like almost at all, because I don't think most... I think a lot of uh, fiction writers had no experience of the thing, some of the things I was writing about in this book. Yeah. Uh, you talk a lot in the book about like fanzine and hardcore cu culture. Yeah, It's like a very important part of the book. But the bands you're using are made up, aren't they? Or, or are they so obscure that know them? You're the ultimate hipster. And, and in which case... <laughs> uh, uh, no, like, like most of them are made up, but they're sort of weaved in with, uh, with real ones. Um, same with a lot of the books and that. I just because... It's a good question. Why did I do that? I don't know. I mean, a lot of novels I've enjoyed do that. They sort of blur that line between, you know, fiction and reality. And um, Well, it has the, the effect of, uh, I mean, I, I remember coming across writers I hadn't seen and Googling, and the only place where I found the name is in your own website. You know, I said, okay, I see what you're doing. But also, I mean, uh, and I do have this one here, Hollow Shores, which oh, yeah, is your yeah. previous book, yeah, with uh, that ink. Uh, there seems to be a connection between the two books, which I haven't read this one yet. You know, I started from the end with your work, but uh, yeah. you do mention Hollow Shores in the in the in the in in London Incognita, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I would definitely see those two books as existing in the same, uh, I don't know, reality. Mm -hmm. They're definitely related. Yeah, there are some subtle references to sort of people and things in Hollow Shores, definitely. And I mean, Hollow Shores has a lot of London stories in it. It's not, not the majority. It's mainly about the um, North Kent coast. But, yeah, I would see the, the two things as sort of existing in the same kind of world, which is mainly in my head. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Who is your target reader? I mean, who, what, what kind of... What, what is uh, this person reading? Who's my target reader? Don't tell That's me a for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Like I said, I think I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I have a target reader. I, I mean, I, I don't want to use that cliche of like, oh, I write for myself. Of course I want people to write, read my books. But I'd say like people who like those writers I mentioned, who like M. John Harrison, who like Joel Lane, who like Macken, but people who are also interested in not just London fiction, but good city writing. So I would hope it appeals to people who like that kind of weird genre fiction and people who like city fiction that engages with contemporary issues yeah in terms of of of, of london incognita it's um how you how would you define it? it's a collection it's a book of short stories it's a novel because it seems to be like a kind of it, it confused me in the sense that there seems to be some kind of connection between these stories but they quite function as separate units to some extent although they're all in dialogue with, with one another i mean i'm sure your publisher will want to promote it as a novel because people want to discuss that i think you could read it as a novel, a, a number of reviewers has. The order of the stories is very important. Um, it is supposed to be read from cover to cover, do you know what I mean? If yeah. you read the last novella in it, which is called You're Already Dead, before the first one, and they make up like the sort of two main bits of the book, both are like 20, 25,000 words long. So more than short stories, um, I'm not sure it would make as much sense, do you know what I mean? So it is supposed to be read in order. A lot of the stories... I do think all the stories work standalone, but it's supposed to have that cumulative effect. So do we want to call it a collection? You see a lot of sort of 
you know, silly terms like a novel of stories and all that sort of stuff. Oh my God, that's horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have no problem calling it a collection of short stories. I mean, I think there's a a strange sort of almost fear of the term in in the United Kingdom, at least. Yeah, you know, this is my pet peeve because I don't like the word collection. I wouldn't call your book a collection. I would say it's either a book of short stories or a novel with with different parts, you know, because I, I, I like... The idea of collection to me sounds like incoherent, you know? It's like almost like a kind of uh, greatest hits album, you know? It doesn't necessarily yeah, have yeah, a concept yeah. of unity. And it's not just like a collection of stories that I had published over the last few years that I put together. Um, I, I, the first novella in it I was kind of commissioned for the thing called the Eden Book Society, which Dead Inc. Um, ran, the idea that they sort of uncovered this lost archive of horror novellas written across the 20th century. And I was asked to write one under a, a pseudonym. The pseudonym was D.A. Northwood. And that led to the first part of the book, which is called uh, Judderman. And I'd written Hollow Shores. Um, I'd got quite bored of uh, what we might call folk horror. I'd got bored of nature writing very much. And I was, I was adamant I was going to write something that was like hermetically sealed in the sort of horrible bits of the city. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you that as well, because I remember you talking a few years ago about landscape punk, yeah? yeah. I, what is landscape punk? I mean, for I don't really understand this. Uh, can can, can last landscape be punk? You know what I always say about nature being Tory, uh, to just to make you angry. But when you talk about landscape punk, what is the yeah, punk? A lot, you know, a lot of Tories do, do <laughs> love that. <laughs> Uh, it was it was some the, the basic idea was like uh, how you would engage with landscape, which can be an urban landscape as well, in that non-Tory way. Do you know what I mean? Um, probably in that non-sort of white middle-class detached male male way. And it just came out of certain music I liked, which was you know various kinds of, sort of punk music that was directly engaged with these sort of ideas of landscape. You could find psychogeographic ideas in some of the, this music, which is, I think, a surprise to some people. And just, I, I, I was always, I was a huge fan of writers like Laura Oldfield Ford, who did the, the fanzine Savage Messiah, and it, like looking at how you respond to a landscape when you're, I don't know, maybe a bit fucked up, or it's the night after the party and you're coming down and you're by the canal or whatever. It, it, it was just the sort of, kind of terms I sort I didn't even come up with the term actually I think it was um it was David Southwell who runs the Hookland project but I liked it I think it was a good term to sort of describe a kind of method I suppose of doing something rather than a, a specific specific type of writing mm-hmm. okay it's more like a kind of a way of engaging with space more than than a way of writing it's more how you connect to that yeah yeah and I I do I genuinely think there is uh huge issues to do with class and uh, gender and race when it comes to landscapes in the UK and who has access to them. So I suppose, you know, any, if you put like punk on the end of anything, it's supposed to be, I suppose, a, a slight subversion of that, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's a real issue. I mean, I don't know the field very well, uh, but um, I guess it's important what you're saying because I get this idea of moving around space. It's, a, it's, a, it's all the same for everyone, you know? You can imagine... We can probably walk in the countryside without being bothered by a black man who walks in the countryside. It's not going to be the same, you know. I get the impression that it, it can be quite problematic, you know. Yeah, yeah. and 
but also in the city as well. It's like um, the way I experience London is is very different to how uh, women experience London. And then you know, it's not just that that sort of binary between men and women, upper class white men will experience it different to um, Asian women in London. That that started to intrigue me more and more. And there are some stories in the book that do you know do engage with that. There's some I think there's some fairly dark stuff in there about. Uh, victims of domestic abuse and yeah all that kind of stuff but again that's why i wanted to use fiction because obviously i can come out with my own <laughs> limited perspective do you know what i mean yeah of course and 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 uh what about the the, the sort of the lore of the book the jordan man and the rat queen i guess i think she's yeah. called these are, are these like uh kind of myths of of london lore or these are things you made up because the gentleman is very very it takes there is a lot about him here in Stamford hill which is uh, my 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 yeah. ends well, that's because i you know i used to live around Stamford hill and I, i like it very much uh the gentleman was entirely my creation the name isn't it, it was actually from a an old advert for this like sort of weird i don't know what was it i think it was an advert for like schnapps or something this weird sort of almost Russian 1920s stop motion sort of thing. I just, I think the name had just stuck in my head. I've forgotten the advert. Um, uh, I just, I wanted to come up with like this, this thing that was, I suppose, a manifestation of all the bad things in the city. Then I realized that was a sort of very male thing. So there's a, essentially a female counterpart, counterpart to the Judder Man in the book. Um, which was oh yes the ma uh, wait the the comare comare yeah the name you know comadre is a word in Spanish which is like yeah. a kind of uh, kind of godmother in a way you know so well, I can tell I can tell you how I came by the name it was um so my partner her her family are from Calabria in, in Italy recently and they got their they got quite a weird dialect there anyway but comare specifically in that dialect means I think it means like Basically, it just means woman, but it can also mean like mother, mistress, or, you know what I mean? It can mean all these sort of various different, you know, mainly negative things. I just thought, you know, that's quite a good a good, good term to use. So, yeah, that's where I got that from. Cool. Uh, but the Queen Rat is, well, I'm not going to say it's real, but it is a real London myth from the 19th century. Okay, that, that there was this woman in the, in the sewers and... Uh... Yeah, yeah, so... This was quite disgusting, but I really loved this. I did. A, I was doing like research on sort of weird urban London myths because I think more attention is given to uh, rural folklore, strangely, even though far more people live in the cities. Uh, and when I don't know when when was this? Early nineteenth century, up until maybe the eighteen thirties, there were men called toshers who would go into the sewers at low tide of the Thames, like sifting for things drop, people are dropped in the sewers to sell on. Very dangerous work and they had their own mythology and they had one about a rat that takes human form and seduces them. <laughs> okay, so that, so this, yeah. uh, there were people looking for lost things in the sewers, like, uh, yeah, like money, chains, whatever, money, the things yeah, that people... Throw all sorts of stuff away, don't they? They were kind of people who'd sift through, literally through shit to find things. <laughs> Well, we got the the flasher sound, you know, you, 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 the people who flash the the, the fat birds from the yeah. from the sewers, you know, they, they work on that. Yeah, and the sewers of London. Uh, I never visited them, but it must be quite a city. 
in themselves. No? Exactly. Yeah, I'd like to sort of see some of those abandoned stations and things like that. I know urbexing is a big thing, and people do do it, but the more you look into it, there's like this mad, crazy web of tunnels under the city, and people don't really know how many there are. A lot were built during the Cold War, but there's all the sewer system that's hundreds of years old. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh my god! So there are there are people actually doing that for for real? Like, in, in, yeah, yeah. Okay. people go. You go on the forums. They they go into the sewers and abandoned stations and take photos of them. Highly illegal, quite scary, I think. But yeah. Well, I don't know if you heard about something similar in Paris, uh, the Mexican of perforation that they were this underground, literally underground secret society who had a cinema under in the in, under the city of Paris, and the police found the cinema yeah. and amphitheater. Uh, so it's uh, the, the under the undergrounds of the city are always fascinating spaces. You know, no yeah, it, I always loved the um, sort of late '90s documentary called Dark Days. I don't know if you ever seen it no, about the homeless it. communities who lived in the abandoned um, what do they call them in America, yeah, subway tunnels in New York. Amazing film. Dark Days, amazing. Well, so Hollow uh, Shores, you got uh, London Incognito. Are you working on anything now? Uh, I've got a massive backlog of, of ideas. I haven't been writing for the last few months, but um, there's a load of uncollected short stories and a lot of new stuff I've started writing. Um, and I've started this idea for a, a short novel. Um, I don't think I'm going to jinx it by talking about it. I feel, okay. like, <laughs> I feel like if you say you've done the thing, then actually doing it becomes kind yeah. of harder, do you know what I mean? But you're working with the same kind of theme, so you're moving on from the kind of city writing, what ways is that, that you are exploring now through your writing? I, I think there's probably more London incognito stuff coming, I think. Okay. I'm done with it, because even since the book came out, there's like more stuff I've discovered, more things I want to go see, more things I want to write about, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So how do how do how do you get that ink to publish a book about London? <laughs> <laughs> you must be against the will, man. Do you put a gun I to the head? Wasn't it? <laughs> I don't know. You'd have to ask Nathan if that ink, um, for whatever reason. I think he liked it. But I don't know. I think it's worth making clear. You know, it's not about. Um, I don't necessarily think London's superior to anywhere else, but it's. You know, I've lived here for a long, long time now. Um, a lot of my family roots are here. And it's just, you know, it's the place I consider to be uh, home. And I always like reading writers who write about their home in a really sort of in-depth kind of way. Do you know what I mean? If I think about my favourite novels from Berlin or New York or Paris, whatever, I like the idea that they're really embedded in the culture of that city, you know? Well, it's quite natural to reach out to what you have around, no? It's a uh, it's most natural thing to do, I think, you know? It's... I think so. And um and I mean in terms of uh the war after this pandemic, what do you think how do you think what we you as a writer and as a publisher, how what do you think how it will affect literature? Because I find myself you know, as a writer in the situation that I'm writing things and I either need to place them before this happened or, or address them in a way because it feel it feels like the war is such a big thing that it cannot be no address, you know, in your writing. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's an interesting point, isn't it? Um, you know, I, you know, I'd be very wary of writing any sort of COVID fiction for at least five years. Do you know what I mean? But you're correct; it does have. It would probably have to be uh, referenced. 
But, you know, it's coming, yeah? We're going to get memoirs about COVID. We're going to get literary fiction about COVID and novels about COVID. And, you know, I think a lot of it will probably be very bad. I, don't know. Well, I mean, that's something that would be worth looking at, wouldn't it? Like, I don't know what the first novels in the years after I know, the Second World War, I don't know if they addressed it or if they didn't. I don't know. Maybe people will retreat into know, things that sort of avoid... <laughs> reality, I don't know. Yeah, well, there's also that, that possibility of running away from it. Cool. At least uh, we're in a transitional phase now, and yeah, the world will be just a, probably a little bit different afterwards. Uh, you're being very <laughs> measured. I think it's going to be very different, you know. The, the things are, are mental right now. Um, we'll see, we'll see. It's still interesting so uh when do you do you have any any publishing dates for your next books or, or are you still working still working on them I'm still working on i basically got another collection but i'm not sure if it's um i think it is just a collection though. that's the thing <laughs> okay well why not well what, what does it take for a novel to be a novel because you know i'm always asking uh this myself i'm writing this book right now which is I would say it's a novel, you know, but some people would say it's not a novel because there is no single narrative line and the only thing that seems to remain are the characters in a way similar to, to your book, but fewer parts. Uh, yeah, it's good. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I would say, I was about to say it needs some sort of narrative through line, but I'm not sure it does, but it probably does need to take place in the same place and some you know, recurring characters and things like that. I don't know. I know you're a fan of um, Cortazar, aren't you? Yeah. I read his novel uh, Hopscotch, but that's that's a novel, right? But it is it, is it a novel? It's a yeah, sort of I would say it is. It? <laughs> yeah, you can read it. I mean, the, there are two very distinct parts, but there is a certain coherence. Uh, I think the, uh, there are the other writers I'm thinking that tend to challenge this idea of not having a single narrative line and having uh, maybe stories are they don't necessarily intersect, but they run in parallel or they, they cross and not necessarily interact. You know, I'm thinking about ways of uh, creating narrative in a different way. Maybe, I don't know, I see in a, in a book like yours, in a way, and I know this may be a cliche, but the city itself is a character, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, I, I, like we, we mentioned weird fiction as a genre and I think it's quite a loose genre but one thing that is quite common about it is that I'd say the best weird fiction exists at the short story and novella form part of the reason is it's it's quite hard to maintain the sort of I suppose the mood and atmosphere that I think is required over a novel length do you know what I mean and I'm, I suppose I was more interested in capturing the weirdness the oddness of everyday life in a city over the last few years, because I, you know, I think sort of banal reality is actually very, very strange. Um, the, the sort of mad late stage capitalist world we live in, I think it creates all these kind of really odd things that most people sort of edit out because, you know, life is lived in this sort of, uh, what's the right way, projected way online where people edit out all the odd bits and I'm, interested in those odd bits they're the things i sort of note down and that's what goes into the stories um whether that works at novel length i'm not sh i don't think it would necessarily you know what i mean like, um, I'm, I'm, i'm more interested 
in capturing that kind of uncanniness of reality at the moment than I am in just telling the story. There are stories in there. Of course there are. Um, and I really like good narrative fiction, but I don't think that's what my primary goal was with this book. Well, it's a very interesting book. I really enjoyed it. Like I say, it was a really, really strange uh, feeling to be reading about all the places that I wanted to be, being in lockdown, you know, in November. So, uh, well, I'm going to give a go to this one next, this week. Hello, Shores. I'll let you know what I think. And uh, thanks for accepting to do this. I'm sorry for the technical problems. But I, I, I think we're getting good sound here. So, uh, well... I don't know when I'll see you in person, but let's hope we can get a beer soon, man. It's been a strange year. We, I saw you only once, you see, I think. No, a couple of to. times, maybe. A couple of times in the office. But, yeah. It has been a strange year. It's going to continue. This year is going to be strange, but... Maybe. No, I thought that we changed from 2020 to 2021 and everything is okay now. <laughs> no, that, was... like that time doesn't work like that, does it? <laughs> no. I'm afraid. Human position on you know, on things that really we can't control in the way we would like. I'm afraid it doesn't. I'm afraid it doesn't. Anyway, Gary, thanks for for doing this, and I'll uh, I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, you too. Thanks Take care, mate. I hang up here in Zoom and and say goodbye to the listeners on the. On the, on the oh, hang up. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. That was Gary Budden, uh, writer of Hollow Shores, uh, London Incognita, among other books. Uh, it's uh, been a pleasure to do this once again. I wasn't planning to restart the quarantine hotline, but then I wasn't planning on a third lockdown. So why not? We're going to do a few um, calls every now and then. I don't want to say every every Monday because I don't want to bore you with my voice and talking to myself. So uh, I don't know when, but I'll see you next. Take care. Stay at home. Whatever you have to do, stay safe. Wear a mask. And if you go jogging, please don't run too close to me because one day I'm going to kill someone. Okay? Take care. Good night.